Well, hello and good morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of a live stream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church, Akron, Ohio. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. My name is Melvin Gaines. We are here and we are live and ready to get going with another uh, edition of Sunday School. <clears throat> In the meantime, while we allow people to jump on with us and get it together <laughs> with a morning cup of coffee or whatever you need, uh, we'll be playing a selection from Jesus Image. How Great Thou Art is the, is the selection. It's a very, very beautiful, melodic uh, uh, selection. So we'll start playing that now because it's a pretty decent selection and uh, we'll allow you to jump on with us. And good morning, Ronnie. Thank you for being here this morning. Good morning, Liz. Good morning, Anne. Hi, how are you? So glad to be with you this morning. Larry, good morning, too. Good morning. Jackie, good morning. Glad to have you this morning. Amen. Roscoe, good morning. Probably haven't hit the road yet. <laughs> Clorinda, good morning. Thank you for joining us this morning. Thanks for being here. Glad to hear you're better. We've been praying for healing. Cindy, good morning. cup of coffee is really good this morning. Amen. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the coffee is really good. Amen. We appreciate you being here this morning. is one of those songs where you just sit, sit and listen to the music and just take the opportunity to just get fully involved in your worship. Worship with the Lord. Amen. Greg, good morning. Speaking of worship, <laughs> it's Greg. Good morning, Greg. Thank you for being here, everybody. I didn't tell you. I actually had a dream last night. I was in a in a church setting, almost exactly like this, and it was just that type of praise was going on. That was really interesting. I know. Kelly, good morning. Joanna and Charles, good morning. Thank you for being here. Very similar to this. 
so glad to have you this morning. Praise the Lord. you right into the uh, mood of getting into worship. Amen. Amen. Glad you could be with us this morning. Thank you so much for being here. We couldn't do this without you. Your participation, just coming online and joining us every Sunday morning. And we've been doing it every Sunday morning for since two years, two and a half years. March of uh, 2020. Or was it early April? I think it was April. April of 2020. Morning, Pearl. Morning, Walter. Thanks for being here. Amen. 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 One more time. (laughs) Thank you for being here. Amen. The Lord loves you. He is worthy of our worship and our praise. Amen. Good morning, Bev. Hi. <laughs> Sorry. I was looking away there for a second. Okay. Uh, that was uh, Jesus' image and how great thou art. We've got uh, a little bit of Sunday school to give you this morning. We want to uh, get get in the groove here and get going. And we appreciate you being here. We hope you've got your coffee. We hope you've got your Bibles and electronic devices. We're going to be looking at a uh, passage in the book of John, uh, chapter 1. And what we'll do before we do that, we're going to go ahead and have our announcements real quick. First of all, just um, a reminder for those of you who are new to this and who have jumped on uh, for the first time, because I can't see everybody's names. I don't know who's on uh, all the time. But we have a message that is following uh, this Sunday School class online right here on the Akron Alliance Fellowship Facebook page. For those of you who are not in Akron, not able to attend for whatever reason because you're uh, on the mend, uh, there is a message following this. At uh, It'll be on after Sunday School. Enduring Spiritual Warfare. It's a continuation in my series on 
uh, maturity in Christ. And we will be presenting that message at church today in Akron, but there will be a recorded message online here uh, for you to uh, take in as well, too. And we appreciate you doing that. We appreciate your support. Uh, and we want to make sure that we have a complete church experience for anybody who's online with us. But we welcome you down in Akron. I mean, we want to, we'd love to have you there if you're in the area. Uh, please remember your tithes and offerings as well, too. We, we do appreciate everyone remembering those and praying about what you give and how you support Akron Alliance Fellowship Church. We are in ministry, active ministry. We want to make sure that we always have an opportunity to be able to provide for those in need from a benevolent standpoint as well, too. And we got to pay the bills just like everybody else does. we got utility bills, a lot of, a lot of bills for air conditioning, stuff like that that's taking place right now because this has been a really weird summer. <laughs> it hasn't been beastly hot every day, but, boy, the humidity just makes it really, really tough. You just feel sticky all the time. So you have to run that air conditioning, and we want to make sure that, that we are taking care of our utilities, too. If you're giving to Akron Alliance Fellowship Church, please make sure that you are giving um, and mailing the check if you're going to mail it to Akron Alliance Fellowship, 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. We appreciate you doing that as well, too. And as always, we remind you, too, that we do not ask anyone to give beyond their means. We do not ask anyone to give before they take care of their own bills. That's being responsible. No games are being played when it comes to that. I won't even get into it here about stuff that you see online that actually is just a bad testimony for Jesus. And I'll just leave it there. Uh, maybe if you come to church live, you might hear about that. So, <laughs> so we'll keep it there. Um, Pastor Gus and Elder uh, Fry are traveling. And we are going to um, keep them in prayer, too, they have, and have them give them travel mercies because they're uh, coming back from Kentucky. Uh, did a little visit. And they will be back at uh, sometime today. But uh, I know that uh, Brother Roscoe is online, so he's not on the road yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> or, he's, or he's not driving. <laughs> that's true, too, right? Uh, so that's, that's possible, too. I, if you're driving and you're on the road and you're looking at us, I would not suggest to do that. So having said that, we appreciate you being here this morning. And with that in mind, let's get into the lesson today. It is a short series of verses, but the content is... Uh, something to really just ponder and take into account here. We're in John chapter 1, and we're going to cover verses 29 through 34, which takes us through the end of John chapter 1. And the um, it's just a beautiful uh, selection here, because now we're going to pick up uh, about John the Baptist, and John is writing about the account of John the Baptist speaking about Jesus Christ. And it is a uh, a great reminder of... We have to take into account the time that was this was taking place. This is where John the Baptist was declaring his mission, and he was also proclaiming Jesus as the Messiah. So this is more about the other one here, too. But John chapter 1, verses 29 through 34. And so this is how Jesus was being prepared. So we've got some things to look at here. We're going to go back into the Old Testament as well, too, and look at some things here. But I just want you to be prayerful about this book of John that we're going through. John is a, a fascinating writer. It's, it's just one of the, uh, it, it's just an amazing account of the life of Jesus based upon uh, his uh, view and what he, what he was given by the power of the Holy Spirit to speak and write about. And uh, there is a very clear delineation. Uh, if, when you look at Matthew, how he write, wrote, how Mark wrote, 
how Luke wrote and now how John writes. So I think it's good for us to see the different writing styles as well as the account that they make as well, too. And, of course, they will account of the same things as well, too. Um, uh, and some things they talked about uh, in all four did. And in fact, the one section down below here about when Jesus was being baptized, all four Gospels give that account. Uh, some just with a couple of verses and some with a little bit more. Uh, John's account is beautiful. So let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer and let's get into it and let's get started. Father, we just thank you for this time that you have established for us to be able to sit quietly and hear you speak to us. Lord, we indeed want to declare you righteous. You are indeed great, just as the song referenced. We thank you again, Lord, for your teaching. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for the calming effect of the Spirit that allows us to sit quietly and hear you speak to us. We give you praise and thanks. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, everyone, turn your Bibles and electronic devices to John chapter 1. Let's look at verses 29 through 34. John 1, verses 29 through 34. I'm going to read verses 29 through 34 in John chapter 1. And this is, again, the New Living Translation, the readable version. We appreciate uh, everyone following along in their own Bible. Um, and I do recommend, too, that you have more than one different Bible version to read because I think God wants us to make sure that we have clarity as we read his passages, right? So if one passage doesn't speak, spell it out for you, uh, pick up the other one and read it and see what it does for you because that's how the Spirit teaches us. That's how he helps us to learn. Let's start at verse 29 in John chapter 1. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him, John being John the Baptist. Let's establish that, okay? John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins, a sin of the world. Verse 30, He is the one who I, one I was talking about when I said, A man is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. I did not recognize him as the Messiah, but I have been baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify that he is the chosen one of God. Okay, that's John chapter 1, verses 29 through 34. Now, there's something here very fascinating and very interesting. And you have to understand something. Um, John the Baptist uh, has the power of the Holy Spirit that was within him. And he indeed was uh, aware of many things when it came to what his mission was, what he was called to do. I'm read, reading in this passage here, he did not recognize Jesus as the Messiah right away. He knew that he was coming. He knew that he was being prepared. He was preparing for someone to come. And it wasn't until God revealed it to him at that moment that he was indeed the Messiah when he was being baptized. And I'm like, wow, I mean, how is that possible? And yet, we know that there are a lot of things that are possible. Uh, when we say nothing is impossible with God, we really do mean that. Amen? I mean, that's something that we have to look at and just kind of 
get our arms around and hang on to here. So let's go back to verse 29. Um, and let's go over what he says, because this is something that when for people who are listening can really relate to based upon what was taking place in the temples uh, when it came to worship for the, the priests were involved in. Um, the next day, John saw this back to verse 29 in John chapter 1. The next day, John, meaning John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, you got to go back and look at this thing, Lamb of God. Lamb of God is what we want to pay attention to, who takes away the sin of the world. And you'll, you have to note that every morning and evening, every morning and evening, a lamb was sacrificed in the temple for the sins of the people. Turn your Bibles and electronic devices, hold back in John, but go to Exodus chapter 29. Exodus 29. Let's take a look at verses 38 through 42. This is, this is something that's really important for us to see. Whenever we look at scripture and whenever we can find a way to bring about context, it creates greater understanding. And this is one area where context is so important. We have to see why John the Baptist made this comment because he's, he's just not throwing around names of, of animals just for the sake of throwing them around. He's giving, giving a very clear indication. And understand, too, that uh, he's speaking according to what God is telling him to say as well, too. He's getting this information. So it says in Exodus 29, starting at verse 38, These are the sacrifices, and this is Moses writing, These are the sacrifices you are to offer regularly on the altar. Each day offer two lambs that are a year old, one in the morning and the other in the evening. With one of them offer two quarts of choice flour mixed with one quart of pure oil of pressed olives, also offer one quart of wine as a liquid offering. That's in the morning. Verse 41, offer the other lamb in the evening, along with the same offerings of flour and wine as in the morning. It will be a pleasing aroma, a special gift presented to the Lord. Verse 42, these burnt offerings are to be made each day from generation to generation. So in other words, this, this was continuing. This was a continuing thing that they had to do every day. Offer them in the Lord's presence as the ta at the tabernacle entrance. There I will meet with you and speak with you. Now, so this was supposed to take place every morning and evening for the sins of the people. This was a way by the priest. The priest who was assigned to do that, he was the one who was going to do that. And that was being done every day. And so that was being done for what? The sins. Forgiveness of sin. God would recognize and speak to, to those priests, those individuals, about what was taking place and acknowledge them. Because if you understand something, if they didn't do that, guess what? They would have been disobedient to the Lord. They would have been disobedient and their sins would not have been forgiven. They would have been actually essentially uh, in sin and remained in sin. So twice a day they had to do that. Now Isaiah 53.7 prophesied that the Messiah, God's servant, would be led to the slaughter like a lamb. Turn your Bibles to Isaiah 53, 7. Isaiah 53, verse 7. And when you read Isaiah, it is, uh, it is a very, very strong book of prophecy. There's a lot of prophecy about the Lord Jesus Christ. 
and we recognize that. Even this statement here, verse 7, Isaiah 53, He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Now, he's referring specifically to Jesus as being the one led to slaughter. So that's where you get John's comment about the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He indeed was the sacrifice once and for all, for all of us, for all sin. And, of course, if you look at this for what it is, in order to pay the penalty for sin, just as in the sacrifices that took place that we read about in Exodus, and all the other sacrifices for that matter, a life had to be given. A life had to be taken. The two lambs per day had to be sacrificed. Their lives were sacrificed for the penalty of sin, to pay the penalty. And so, look what God did. He chose to provide the sacrifice himself in the form of Jesus Christ. And that's what we have to come back to and just say, how great he is. He recognized that we needed an eternal uh, recognition of sin. And he sacrificed himself for us on the cross. The sins of the world were removed when Jesus died as the perfect sacrifice. And that's how our sins are forgiven. Take a look, please, very quickly at 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. 1 Corinthians 5 verse 7 1 Corinthians 5 7 here we go get rid of the old yeast by removing this wicked person from among you then you will be like a fresh batch of dough made without yeast which is what you really are and the, the, the key phrase here is right here in this key sentence here Christ our Passover lamb has been sacrificed for us. That's what we want to recognize here. The sin of the world means everyone's sin. Everyone's sin. The sin of each individual. Everyone within the sound of my voice. Everyone on this call. Jesus paid the penalty for our sin. He paid the price by dying on the cross. And, of course, we know the, the end result of that, for those of us who are familiar with it, he rose again from the dead to show that he overcame death. And that was something that was also very important for us to see as well, too. He overcame death. You can receive forgiveness by confessing your sin to him and asking for his forgiveness. You know, I don't think you can ask for the gospel message in church often enough sometimes. I think that it's something that's very important for us to ponder. For those of us who... Know the Lord. We need to pray for our other people around us, the people that we know who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to lift them up in prayer every single day. Every moment we think about it, we need to be praying for people who don't know the Lord. Don't know the Lord. We have to do that because Jesus paved the way to pay for the sins for every person who acknowledges Jesus as Lord. And that's what has to take place. Jesus has to be acknowledged as Lord and Savior. It's God took care of all the sin of the world by doing what he did through Jesus Christ. But we still need to pray for those people who don't know the Lord, that they do acknowledge who Jesus is. Once they do that, once they acknowledge it, their sins are indeed forgiven eternally. 
and they have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what has to take place. So keep that in mind as we talk about the importance of prayer all day long, the importance of being ready to uh, speak to the Lord when you're called upon, and when it, and even when you're not called upon, when you're ready to just say, Lord, I need to stop right now and pray about this person, that person, this situation, that situation. Prayerful all day long. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, verses 17 and 18, being prayerful all day long. Okay, back to verse 30 in John chapter 1. This is John again speaking. He is the one I was talking about when I said, A man is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. And that's a quote from John the Baptist. And here's the thing, too, that's really important for us to see as well, too. John, John the Baptist was very popular. We talked about this last week because he kept getting people coming up to him saying, Who are you? What are you all about? What are you doing? How are you getting all this attention? People are going out to the wilderness to see him and getting baptized. And the baptism, of course, remember, is, is symbolic of individuals who indeed are turning their lives around and repenting, have repented of their sin. And so, you know, we treat baptism in a, in a similar way uh, today. It's the same thing. But understand that John the Baptist also was very content to allow Jesus to step in and take the higher place. It wasn't about ego. We, we unfortunately, uh, in the body of Christ, we are, some of us are ego-driven. And that is, not, that is not of God, that is of the flesh. Ego, being ego-driven is something that is going to, is, it's harmful in the ministry. And you'll note that John the Baptist was very content to let Jesus take that higher place. He was humble. This is true humility. And this is, and this is I believe, why God had selected John the Baptist for the role that he has. Because he knew that he would have a humble heart. He knew that he would do what he was called to do. And when it was time to step aside, he would step aside. And he would point directly to Jesus Christ as the one to look to, not to himself. And he never really did point to himself. Amen? He just did what he was called to do, and God brought people to him. And I think that's what we have to look at. Humility, uh, true humility should be the basis for uh, preaching, for teaching, or any other work we do for Christ. When we serve in a church environment, we are all serving with one accord and in one accord for the purpose of what? Elevating Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one we point to. Jesus is the one we look to. We don't look to any individual person uh, to get attention. The moment you see a pastor doing that to get attention for themselves... It's time to leave the church. Uh, I think that's the best way to look at that, right? It's not about getting attention for yourself. That's a different type of church. That's a different type of worship that you should have nothing to do with. Uh, you should be following Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. And here's the other thing that's important for us to remember, too. A lot of us in service and ministry need to be content on what Jesus has given to us to do. Be content. We have gifts, we have talents, we have abilities that God has given us, and we need to be content in those gifts. We do not need to be looking at what other people are doing. We don't need to be striving to figure out uh, so-and-so is doing this and so-and-so is doing that. I mean, even I think Peter was challenged at the end, too, when he was asking Jesus uh, what about what about the 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 disciple whom Jesus loved. What about him? <laughs> and Jesus essentially said, 
You don't worry about what he's doing. You take care of your business. You honor me. Uh, you serve me. And, and don't worry about what other people are doing. And I think that's important for us to see here, too. Even the disciples needed to be corrected uh, from time to time because there's something about this flesh every now and then that wants to get involved with something that has nothing to do with serving Jesus. And so we have to recognize that. God's going to honor you when you're content in your service. God's going to affirm you when you're content in your service. God's going to do great things through you because you're serving him. And that's what you have to recognize too. And it's not about taking account on how many people get saved. It's not about taking account on how many people join the church. You let the Lord take care of that. The Lord takes care of those things. You do what you're called to do. Let the Lord take care of the rest. You have no idea what impact you're making when you're serving the Lord in such a manner and honoring him uh, when you're just being content with who you are and serving in that manner. You let the Lord do the rest of it. And I, I say that only because I know that it's something I struggled with when I was younger, and, and I'm, I'm being honest about that. We, I was still learning about what it was to be in service for Jesus Christ. You know, you, you, you know when you, you're not complete in any way, shape, or form. You're still learning. You're still growing. You're still finding ways to overcome the flesh as you go about your business. And I had to learn that too. And I, I say that, and I'm, I'm still learning it because we, we have to always beat back the flesh when it comes to the way we think sometimes and allow the Spirit to speak to us. And I think that everybody uh, who has been doing this for a long time knows exactly what I'm talking about. It's nothing strange or unusual. It's, it's something that we have to all deal with. Back to John chapter 1, verse 31. I did not recognize him as the Messiah. This is the part that's really interesting to me. I did not recognize him as the Messiah, but I have been baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I didn't know who he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Wow. That's really something. And so it was when John the Baptist, and this is a slightly, this is an account of the baptism. It's not exactly like the others in the other three Gospels, but it still is being made. At Jesus' baptism, John the Baptist declared Jesus as the Messiah. He was indeed the one. And it was because of how God spoke to John the Baptist to recognize what was taking place. God had given John a sign to show him that Jesus had been sent from God. And that's what you read in John 1.33. And keep in mind, now, here's a thing that's really interesting about this, too. Turn real quick to Luke chapter 1, verse 36. Luke 1.36. Those of you may remember, who are those, of us, those of you who have been online with us, we went through a study of Luke chapter 1, and we went through a lot of the information about uh, when John the Baptist uh, was actually being delivered, was born by Elizabeth. And look at Luke one thirty-six. You remember, you have to remember. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. And you have to understand that Elizabeth and Mary were related, so therefore John the Baptist and Jesus are related. So they have a relationship. They're family. 
And even though they were related, you know, John knew who John knew who Jesus was, of course. He knew that he was there. There had to have been some sort of growing up, and there had to be some sort of a, a recognition of who he was. But it wasn't until Jesus' baptism that John understood that Jesus was the Messiah. Wow, I mean, you know, that's interesting how that took place. It had to be revealed at a certain time. It had to be revealed at a certain manner. And that was officially what we all look at when we look at Scripture. That was officially when Jesus began his ministry. Uh, that's the way we, we look at that whole thing. It was not really until that point when we saw more about the account of Jesus' life. We knew about him as a child, and we knew about some things that took place as a child, but he wasn't recognized as a Messiah then. He was just looked at as a very, very unusual, a very gifted child, and, and that's what we recognize here. But now we see how he was being revealed, and John the Baptist saw him and was revealed as well too. John understood that Jesus was the Messiah based upon the sign that God gave to him. And we know about the other accounts I'm going to give you, let's go to one account. Go to Luke chapter 3. We're in Luke already, so let's, that's, it's easy to stay there. Luke 3, verses 21 and 22. And these, these both give very, very brief accounts uh, of, this, these passages give very brief accounts of what happened. It says, one day, in Luke chapter 3, verse 21, one day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. As he was praying, the heavens opened, and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove, and a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. Now Luke writes this account just like a lawyer would, right? Or, or a doctor. <laughs> he gives a very brief account. He just says, Just the facts, ma'am. This is exactly what happened. Um, and that's what he did. So he just gives this. But he, but, he, but he makes a point to mention what? The Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove and a voice from heaven said you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy so he gives the account of what happens here and so that was giving recognition to the fact that he was indeed baptized and let's talk about that baptism uh, because that is something for us to see we we recognize as one of the uh, the the uh, things that we do in the church we have baptism and the lord's prayer we, we many churches a lot of the baptist churches do that baptism is an important part of one of the tenets that we use within the church as well too and of course we recognize that baptism is is a symbolic gesture for the person who believes in the lord jesus christ we know that there has to be a physical um recognition of that that is takes place and that's for the benefit of others to see it uh, the baptism of Jesus was not something that he needed. And even John had questioned it. You know, I shouldn't be baptizing you. You should be <laughs> baptizing me. Uh, I think that's one of the accounts that he gives in, in one of the other Gospels. I believe it's in Matthew. Um, but you shouldn't be baptizing. You should be baptizing me. But Jesus said it had to be done for the purposes of establishing and showing others about the importance of what needs to take place. It was part of what is, was foretold. He, he was going to be baptized. It was preparatory, that baptism. Uh, John the Baptist, when he baptized people with water, was preparatory because it was recognition excuse me, for repentance of sin, and it symbolized the washing away of sins. 
Now, Jesus, by contrast, was not, we were not washing away any sins, right? We weren't doing anything of the kind. He was sinless. He'd never sinned. But this baptism that was taking place was actually the baptism through the Holy Spirit. He would send the Holy Spirit upon all believers, empowering them to live and to teach the message of salvation. So it was being done with the power of the Spirit. And what we needed to see here was that Jesus was just giving us a little bit of information about what he would do when he completed his ministry, when he completed the the role where he says, it is finished, the whole thing about dying on the cross and being risen again. He would bring the Holy Spirit uh, and breathe the Holy Spirit upon the disciples after he rose from the dead. And he also would allow the Spirit to come um, to others who were believers as well, too, in Acts chapter 2. So we recognize that. In fact, go to John chapter 20. We're going to jump ahead a little bit real quick. John 20. And look at verse 22. And this is one of those appearances that Jesus made after he rose from the dead, after he had come back. He had showed himself again. And look what it says in verse 22 of John chapter 20. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And, of course, verse 23, if you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. These are the people who were being called to carry on Jesus' ministry. But it was only then that they received the Spirit. All the preparation that took place over the two, two and a half years, whatever that time was when Jesus was in ministry, and as he selected his disciples, he handpicked them and gave them information. It wasn't until then that they got the Spirit. And so you have to recognize the teaching that had to take place beforehand. It's almost very, very similar. I'm not going to say it's exactly like it. It's not because I don't want to do that. But we have to be prepared ahead of time. We have to be taught. We have to learn some things as we get out into the world and get into ministry, don't we? We've got to study. We've got to be in the Word. We've got to be ready and prepared to speak to people about life in Jesus Christ. So that is why it's really important, really incumbent upon everyone to be in the Word and studying. You can't fluff this off. You can't put it aside and say it's not important. It's extremely important. The disciples would not be able to do anything that they were doing um, if they did not have that preparation. And the Holy Spirit certainly was important in that aspect as well, too. But they had to be taught some things. And the Spirit had revealed things to them that they were taught. You understand? You've got to have the Word in your system, in your mind, in your heart, for the Spirit to teach you what you need to understand about ministry and what you're doing in ministry. We'll talk about that more later on in the message. I hope that you understand the importance of that and can see that. So the outpouring of the Spirit came after Jesus had risen from the dead and ascended into heaven. So we recognize that and we saw that. Now go back to verse 34 in John chapter 1. Verse 34 in John chapter 1. Now this is what... John the Baptist is saying, I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify that he is the chosen one of God. The chosen one. And he is indeed the Messiah. He is the one that was chosen by God to carry on the ministry that John the Baptist was preparing for. So John the Baptist's purpose, he of course declared his mission. He told the 
all the people who were asking, the priests, the temple assistants from Jerusalem, all those people who came and looked after him, looked at him, saw him doing his work. The, he, he was quoting a couple of times from Isaiah here, which I, I just picked up on as well, too. Um, he told, spoke to the Pharisees as well, too. Um, who are you? <laughs> and, and he was basically saying his purpose was to declare the mission to prepare for the coming of the one who was chosen. And that was his job. John, he did his job very well. The long-awaited Messiah, the one who was being predicted, who was spoken about in, the, in all the words of the Old Testament, which was the existing testament at that time, all the prophecy about the Messiah, now is being revealed by John the Baptist. He was the one. And so here's the thing that's important for us to see. In today's world, what's the most important thing that a lot of people are looking for? What's, what's the most important thing that a woman looks for in a husband? Well, love is certainly important, but security is the, is the most important thing uh, for many women when it comes to being cared for in the household. They're looking for a secure place. That husband should be the one to provide that security. And that's what a woman looks for. And that's in a physical sense and also an emotional sense, security. And what, what do people look for when you're in a situation where um, maybe the crime isn't the best? You're looking for security. We, we look for security. We're looking for something secure to draw upon, aren't we? Who is better than that in that situation than Jesus Christ? Is there anyone better? Jesus is the one who makes us secure and gives us security in a truly fallen and depraved world. Now, I, I spoke about this. I think I talked to my wife about this the other day. And she, um, you know, we, it's all generational. It's all relevant to who we are. We, because previous generations, they dealt with security issues. I mean, going back before, you know, we were born, uh, security has always been an issue, amen? It's especially relevant today for us because of the world we are exposed to and what we see. And you have to understand, we live in a fallen world, and there are people who are just going their own way and doing exactly what they want to do. And if you think this is a strange thing, no, go back to the Kings, the book of Kings, and we talk about how people just decided to go their own way and follow their own way of reasoning and thinking. They didn't really care about God. They didn't really care about those things. You have to understand that this is nothing new under the sun. Security. We are looking for security in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. People are looking for someone to give them security in an unsecure, in an insecure, excuse me, insecure world. It's unsecure, but it's also insecure. Uh, it's a tough world to live in right now. We, as people who follow Jesus, need to point people to Jesus. It's our responsibility to proclaim the gospel, to speak about the truth of Jesus. We need to point people to Jesus Christ because there's nowhere else a person can go and feel secure. There's nowhere else that you can go and feel secure. Uh, the best security system for your house, someone can still break in your house. Amen? And someone can still take things if they want to. So, so just basically understand that it's very important for you to recognize that Jesus is the one that we need to look to. Amen? And make a note of uh, Marquetta's request there as well, too, everybody, to make sure that you are keeping her in your prayers as well. I, I, I'm just going to mention that real quick. So we have to point people to Jesus. We have to always go back to who Jesus is. Jesus is the one that does the teaching. Jesus is the one that does the instruction. 
Jesus is the one that does the healing. Jesus is the one that we look to and go to and worship and praise because he's a God that loves us and cares about us more than we could ever understand in human terms. And that's why we have to always look at him, how we have to recognize him as well, too. We need to have, we need to point directly to Jesus. He's the one that people are looking for. He's the one that people are searching for. When people are searching for truth, we send people to Jesus Christ. When we are searching for truth, we go to Jesus Christ. When we are looking for discernment, what is it that we're looking at? What are we understanding? Jesus is the one to go to for this discernment. We are praying actively for Jesus Christ to be involved in our lives and involved in all aspects of our lives. Our life, our health, our families, our marriages, our singleness. Amen? It doesn't matter whether you're single or married. Jesus is in the middle of it. And Jesus should always be in the middle of it. So we need to recognize that as well, too. And I say all those things because it just is a reminder. This teaching that John is giving us is just going to be so enriching, so wonderful for us to see as a people. And I pray that you really do get the message as we go through this study about how it's all of our responsibility. Just as John the Baptist was preaching preaching about Jesus, we need to preach about Jesus. We need to speak about Jesus. Amen? We have to turn our lives over to Jesus, all of our lives, and that's what we need to continue to do. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your teaching. We thank you for your loving kindness. We thank you for your presence. I pray, Lord, that you just bless us now, that you give us what we need to be able to be strong, to be able to speak your truth, that you will give us what we need and give us the desire to stay in the word each day. Lord, you're trying to teach us through your word. You're trying to give us what we need to be strong, to be strong and courageous, as you spoke about when Joshua was taking over the ministry from Moses. You just kept telling him, be strong and courageous. Stay with me. Lean on me. Take me with you wherever you go. And you'll be successful. And you will be successful in all that you do. May we be always reminded of this, that we indeed have the ability to be successful because we trust in you. We don't understand everything that happens or how it happens, but Lord, we know that you're in control of it. We thank you again, Lord, for those reminders. Bless us, Lord, as we affirm, we are affirmed by you. We stay in your word. We stay in front of you for truth. We thank you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, thanks so much for joining us today. We're going to get out of here because we got to get down to Akron <laughs> and get ready for a message today as well, too. But we appreciate you being here. We appreciate you being with us. Um, for those of you, remember, this is going to be online later on, too, for those who had to get out and go and you can come back and look at it later. I was reminding, I was reminded about that as well, too. Uh, for those who are traveling or whatever, you can come back and look at the whole thing all over again. But stay tuned online for the message today about enduring spiritual warfare we appreciate you being here today uh god bless you all we'll see you down for those of you in akron we'll see you down there in about 45 minutes or so take care of yourselves everybody god bless you all and we will see you next time